0: welcome to ask the chief information officer on federal news network now your host jason miller
1: my guest today is mark Andrews, the chief information officer of the national geospatial intelligence agency mark welcome to the program
2: thanks jason it's great to be here
1: now i've had the nga cio on before but you are new to NGA, so to speak you've been there just about a year So uh, I'm going to start at the beginning where maybe a little bit about your background and try to understand you came over from the Navy and uh, I think you mentioned April will be your year anniversary. Talk about that decision to come from Navy to the NGA and what kind of uh, move was that for you? How much uh, learning curve?
2: It was quite a bit, but i had a great experience in the navy i would argue that you know my heart of hearts i'm a i'm a sailor having served in the navy and and i spent 20 years working with the navy the last several about nine were in the pentagon and i got to be a part of something very exciting it was a it was a time in which the navy was bringing together all of its information-centric disciplines so cyber colliding with intel with networks and IT, and even things like meteorology and oceanography, information-centric disciplines, being brought together for for a value proposition, and it was just a great, great time to be there. But like anything, after nine years, it's time for something new. So NGA came knocking, and it presented a a really neat opportunity.
1: Did you have some experience in the Navy with geospatial type of information? I mean, GIS is everywhere, but it's a lot different when you just touch it a little bit versus, hey, um, this is what I do for a living in, in many regards.
2: Absolutely. So one thing I like to to tell people about NGA in particular, you know, a lot of people associate NGA and its title Geospatial Intelligence Agency with one of its core missions, which it's extremely good at. And that is being a premier imagery exploitation, uh, providing decision advantage, you know, the classic eye in the sky or airborne asset that type of intelligence. But NGA has a second part of its its mission that is vastly important. And that has to do with its history. And NGA is, is a NGA's history is about a consolidation of several agencies associated with mapping. And it makes sense, right? Geospatial. But if you think of NGA, think of cartographers, hydrographers, geodetic scientists, all of them with a, a set mission of really uh, mapping the earth to provide great precision and an accuracy and to enable everything else that goes on.
1: All right, so let's talk about that mission in a little bit because uh, so much of the technology that you do and, and that you provide through your office will make that mission side go. One of the things that we're in the middle of, and, and I think we're seeing this across a lot of agencies, not just NGA, is really this, this technology mission Integration transformation. So let's talk a little bit about that. How are you leading that effort to really bring the NGA into the 25th century or wherever we're going next, right?
2: Vice Admiral Sharp is the new uh, director at NGA. And he arrived a couple months um, before me. And uh, he's described uh, this particular moment in NGA's history in, in two terms. He talks about it in terms of evolutionary and revolutionary. So evolutionary involves what you think of with a normal IT system where, where we are at a point where we've got new sensors coming out and we need to adapt to those new sensors, modern technologies in terms of resolution, in terms of phenomenology and all that. And that underpins a, a core technology that's been around for a, a long time that needs to evolve. And then apply on top of that the revolutionary aspects of geospatial intelligence. And by that I mean... Think about your iPhone, or your Android, or whatever your mobile device is. Think about the um, sensor technology improvement that's happening with every release of that, and apply that on a global scale. Apply that to airborne assets, apply that to our space-based assets. And you see this step increase, not evolution, but a revolution in what that enables, both in terms of precision, but also what it enables in terms of volume on a global scale. So that's one aspect of the revolution. The second aspect of the revolution really gets at the software enhancements that are coming to enable us to address those volumetric challenges that we're talking about. So this is where that conversation leads you to automation, it leads you to this machine learning discussion, it leads you to AI. And so that's one of the other things that drew me to NGA was at this particular moment, there is such a huge opportunity to look at where technology can lead you in in addressing those particular challenges.
1: And in many ways, and and you probably have seen this through your time with the Navy and and other places, the technology is is part of that mission in, in such a bigger way than ever before. And I think the people who do the mission, the people who do the business side are realizing that in a much different way than before where... If you think about how we talked about in the mid-2000s, well, technology is an enabler, right? It's, it's, it just enables the mission. Now, no, if you don't have your technology, you can't do the mission in many regards. Are you seeing that change as part of that, this revolutionary and evolutionary discussion?
2: I'm seeing two things. One, yes, uh, the technology is absolutely becoming uh, much more of an enabler. Um, a lot of those principles, however, from the early 2000s, they haven't gone away. <laughs> right like service orientation the idea of breaking your technology into blocks of services decoupling old systems you know that was you were probably interviewing somebody on that in 2005 <laughs> right those principles they don't go away they get amplified and enhanced with a lot of technology for sure but they definitely don't go away
1: the the other piece i think that we should hit upon as we talk about this mission and, and transformation and how technology fits in is is how the mission area, not just, are looking to technology to help them, but really, you guys are, are walking in, down a path together. Versus, you're always coming, kind of coming in from the side roads. Walk me through a little bit of how the technology, the mission, and, and, and your role as CIO kind of all kind of fits together to march down that path.
2: Yeah, no, that's a great that's a great point, and I think it's one that we often overlook. You know, that the, the technology is, is fun and it's exciting. But if you don't do all those other things that you're talking about, Jason, you, it really doesn't come together. So I'll tell you, we talk a little bit about the technologies and how they're being implemented today, but some of those organizational changes are other things that I've stepped into that NGA took on. Let me give you one of our examples. So we talk about secure development operations, <coughs> right? This idea of more rapidly doing stuff, this idea of user-centered design, But are you creating an environment where you're bringing the user together with the actual builder? And so at NGA what we've done is we've created integrated program offices where we got a commitment from our uh, director of analysis, our director of source, which is, think of that as collections. They've committed their people to be part of an integrated team. So my builders sit right next to the user to enable that. So that's a, huge, that's a huge piece that a lot of organizations fail to realize. If you don't bring them together, don't expect the outcome to really represent that end user. A couple of other areas that I'm very excited about, which is kind of anticipatory of, of our future architecture, we made a decision to begin calling out certain types of people at NGA that we needed to build to recruit more of. And one of, the, one of those examples is called the data core. Right? We talk about data science and those types of things. Well, NGA made a decision to go call out a group that is dedicated 100%, almost your ninjas of data science, and they augment every aspect of NGA. They bring data science tool development on unique problems so that, those, so that we can attack those, and then I can learn from that and bring that back into my enterprise architecture changes.
1: All right, very cool. I think we'll get into the data side in a little bit. But before we do that, let me start the conversation uh, around cloud, because one of the things as we talk about your future architecture, yeah. as you talk about enabling mission, there has to be that basic infrastructure, the starting point for, to make sure we can get the mission areas, the tools that they need. So let's talk about cloud and where you guys are at with the move to
2: the cloud. NGA, in my view, again, I've only been there 10 months, but I'm very pleased with what I've seen in terms of cloud adoption. There was a lot of hype coming in 2015, uh, a lot of cloud first policies. A lot of those resulted in a few good things uh, and a few stumbles. I think NGA um, moved in very aggressively and they've learned a lot. So one of the things that that I've noticed that's been very valuable is the stepping back and learning from cloud adoption. So we've now started to do a lot more with cloud analytics. What is working in the cloud in terms of cost? What is working in the tech cloud in terms of latency for a particular data set, a particular data type? And we're applying that and building out a few things that are, what I think are, are really helping our, our project managers, such as a, a cloud analytics toolkit. So they come in and they say, hey, I'd really like to do X, Y, or Z. And we say, well, let's look at the mission load. Let's look at the data formats. And let's say, hey, this is better served right here in our data center. Or it's, or it's optimized in the cloud. So one, I think there's been a lot of learning. The other area that I think NGA has been leading is this idea of uh, computing at the edge. How do you marry up the and leverage the benefit of the hyperscale compute with our need, uh, often unique need, of getting that information out to the hills of Afghanistan to support an operation, to a mobile device to support a uh, humanitarian assistance or disaster relief. Uh, NGA has done a lot of great work in leading forward on how to address some of those those challenges and it's been pretty impressive. Sounds to me like
1: when you talk about cloud analytics tool the first thing i think of is oh well there it's it's some kind of data big data thing but really what you're saying is it's an assessment in the sense of hey you want to move this to the cloud okay let's let's fill out these boxes and say how much is it going to cost you? What's your, do you have times when you ramp up and ramp down? Are you pretty flat? It's almost like you're asking your missionary to give you answer a questionnaire before, and then you can decide which path, again, cloud, on-prem, hybrid is best.
2: That's exactly it. It starts with the mission question, because I think when I talked about that rush to the cloud, a lot of people went there with an anticipation immediately of lower cost, and that's just not always the case. Mm-hmm. Right? You get great agility, you get, res- get great resiliency, you get great flexibility, but that flexibility can lead to unconstrained usage that mission owners need to understand what the, the pros and cons of that are before they make that move. And that's been a lot of the analytic work we've been doing to better posture us so on how to optimize cloud, not just rush to it.
1: We're going to continue our cloud conversation. First, we're going to take a quick break. My guest today is Mark Andrews the Chief Information Officer of the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Equinix, on Federal News Network.
0: Government professionals know their security risks, and status quo is not an option. In response, federal agencies are focusing on modernization options that enable advanced and integrated cybersecurity strategies. Agencies today can take proactive steps to reduce complexity, risk, and cost with powerful security from Fortinet Federal, a trusted U.S. partner. Find out how to enable rapid communications, manage borderless infrastructures, and mitigate threats at machine speed. For more, see FortinetFederal.com. That's FortinetFederal.com.
2: I'm Paul Seifert, Public Sector President of Mythics. Join me at Oracle's 12th Annual Federal Forum on Tuesday, April 14th at the Renaissance Washington Hotel in downtown D.C. Learn from Mythics experts on building a roadmap to the cloud with guidance from government leaders who are automating their organizations and delivering world-class citizen services using Oracle's FedRAMP-authorized cloud, along with Mythics services to support your agency's cloud-smart strategy. Register today at oracle.com fedforum.
0: You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1 800 Red Cross to make your donation appointment today.
3: I am suicide. I take precious lives. I could be after someone you love. I could be after you. I work by turning your own thoughts against you. But I'm a liar and a cheat. I am suicide. I can make you feel guilty or useless when you're not. I tell you things can never get better. They can. I tell you there's no point in stopping to take a breath or ask for help. But there is. I tell you you're alone and you're not. You can stop me, but you have to know how.
0: If you or someone you know is thinking about suicide, reach out for help. Call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-TALK. We're waiting for your call. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human
3: Services. This is Jared Serbu. I'm tweeting daily about the news that's interesting and important to the armed services and the defense contractors who serve them. Follow me at wfed.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Equinix on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Mark Andrus, the Chief Information Officer at the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. Now, Mark, before break, we started our discussion on cloud, and you mentioned this idea of assessments. So let's start there. How are those assessments working? Is this a new process, something you, NGA has had on for quite a while? And did you borrow it from someone? Did you steal it from someone? Was it <laughs> something you brought from the Navy? Because I'm starting to hear more, especially on the vendor side, who wants to always talk about, the, we can provide the assessments. But it's <clears> great <throat> to hear that you guys are doing it internally, too.
2: They had started it by the time I arrived, so I definitely didn't bring it with me from the Navy. But I think because NGA leaned so far forward on on cloud adoption in the early days, they had the ability to really start to catalog their lessons learned and start breaking down what the big cost drivers were. And then they, they rolled it into a cloud optimization model. So it's it's literally something where, like we talked about earlier, you come in and you say, I've got this mission I need to perform. Here's the customer base. Here's geographically where, where they are. Just as a backdrop, we talked about the diversity of, of NGA's mission, but we didn't talk about the diversity of our landscape. So. In, in terms of how that affects our IT architecture, we got about fifty percent of NGA's workforce is here in the DC area. About twenty-five percent is in the St. Louis area, and then the other twenty-five percent is spread all over the world, and it's it's uh, in various d- densities. But just imagine wherever there is there is a national security need, NGA is there supporting the the combatant commands, the current operations anywhere. So that drives. That drives a data and compute discussion that is very complex. And so, like I talked about earlier, Jason, I talked about a lot of the edge compute. You can see with 25% of your workforce spread all over the world, this isn't just playing around. These are real hardcore uh, needs we have that we're working through and trying to assess how to optimize that.
1: I I can only imagine that when you're trying to reach someone in theater, as you mentioned, whether it's Afghanistan or somewhere else, there is that, I need the data now i can't wait for latency i can't worry about oh it has to jump through all these you know hoops to get me the data there's that real-time need so where are you with your cloud journey how much are you into the cloud a little bit a lot give me a sense of what you can
2: (laughs) we're a lot and and we'll be more a lot is it's not an easy number it's it's definitely over over 50 percent but as you start to look at it we talk a lot about hybrid cloud models right and it's amazing when you start to unpack that a little bit. It's not like you've got a traditional hardware stack that's now in the cloud. I may have compute on premise and storage in the cloud. And it may be vice versa. I may have certain aspects of modular compute that is both storage and, uh, storage and compute forward, but it may be a small cache that's only periodically updated. So it's an, it's an incredibly diverse technical landscape but in general, you know, well over 50% and, and seeing that growing.
1: A lot of CIOs, when I talk to them, they to talk about, well, the first four, five, six years as they moved to the cloud was the quote unquote low hanging fruit. And now, you know, we just saw that the 2021 budget request came out and there was a whole bunch of de- details about agency projects and how the CIO risk rating is now get a lot more yellow than ever before. And, and someone told me part of the reason for that was because the complexity of the projects are bigger, meaning that low-hanging fruit of moving email to the cloud or collaboration tools to the cloud is done, and now the complexity is growing. Uh, is that something that you're seeing too, that as we want to move more to the cloud, these programs, these projects are more complex than maybe they were three, five, seven years ago? I know you weren't at NGA then, but your Navy experience, I'm sure, is, is the same.
2: I think that's a fair assessment. To give you an idea of the complexity of our operating environment, when I talked about our missions as being both this high and top secret stuff, that demands all of that type of capability on the top secret. And then I alluded to uh, humanitarian assistance or disaster relief. So not only do I have to support the top secret environment, I gotta get data to the secret environment where the warfighter works, unclassified where the federal agencies may need information, and then what I call the, non, the non-classified. So literally, when when acted upon, when the uh, State Department or another agency goes through the formal request to get that information to support a hurricane or an earthquake, uh, we've got to push data all the way down to that, and that complexity involves cross-domain solutions, which are which are really interesting when it talks about data. When you talk about data, the other area that I that I'd like to talk about when talking about cloud is. What we've done with these lessons learned. NGA is what's called the sponsor for the current C2S cloud at the secret level. And as a sponsor, what we do is, if you are a smaller agency, or not even a small agency, take the Army, the Navy, the Air Force. We can sponsor you into this environment. And we've we've taken everything we've learned and we've created three tiers of sponsorship. One of them is, hey, you wanna come in and work in the cloud? I'll create an account for you. Number two is, hey, do you need some basic security controls? You need some identity and access management framework to work in the cloud? You can use my tools. I've already accredited them. You go go to town. You've got your technologists. And the third is full service. So I need, need, I'm a small agency. I just need to be able to put data and run uh, workloads in the cloud. Can you run the whole security stack for me? NGA has done that for for several agencies, and and that's a growing area. So uh, as a taxpayer, I was very excited to see that happening, the fact that we're helping each other learn through this journey of of cloud adoption.
1: Do you get a sense of whether a lot of the customers, the the partners you have are going that full service versus the basic security
2: controls? Where where do they land? Most of them want the full service. Most of them, even someone as big as, say, the United States Navy, where I came from, and, and I think it's smart. You know, eventually when they go to full-scale adoption, they will leverage their own security services because they have them. But the, the point is, we talked about user-centric, yeah. agile. The point of the cloud opportunity is get in, learn how to use it. Don't be, don't be bothered with needing an ATO or uh, setting up a r- role-based access or whatever. Take what we've got and get going and then evolve it into your architecture. That's been a huge win for us.
1: Is there a big lesson you'd pull from based on your C2S and, and other yeah what, what's the big lesson?
2: In looking at that, the things that, that drive the decision making for us have been cost number one, utilization. okay and I'll, and I'll unpack that a little bit a little bit later and then latency and by latency I mean the, the end user, is it a virtualized desktop? is it a thick client? How much data are you pulling and what type of application are you using it for? When we look at that latency utilization combination, what's what's really unique for the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, this idea of big data, we don't have just big data <laughs> in terms of volume. We actually have big data. I mean, it's literally massive file sizes, right? Huge. So what does that do to a pipe when you're trying to push it somewhere? It'll choke it. So when we, in particular, look at some of the challenges we have, it relates to that compounding effect of large volumes of data with extremely large file size that we've got to move and then figure out how a user optimizes that. So all of that plays into the the calculus on where we do what and what form of cloud we use versus on-prem.
1: As we look forward, as we just finish up our conversation around cloud, there's plenty of other things to talk about, including data. Where are you guys heading over the next you know, six or nine months when it comes to cloud?
2: The C2E contract is coming up, and so that's out. Um, so I won't be able to talk about the detail, but you know, really the big talking point around that is a multi-cloud. Where we're going is leveraging that multi-cloud environment and figuring how to work, optimize workloads across multi-cloud and an on-prem. So that's that's clearly the the road that lies ahead, and there's there's a bunch of interesting topics to talk about in that.
1: There is plenty there, and I think uh, one of the things that we're seeing again with other CIOs and other agencies is that understanding of what belongs in the cloud, what doesn't, and when I put something in the cloud, how long does it stay? Is it just because I have a I'm going to have a busy March, and then. By April, I'm going to bring it back out of the cloud. So that ingress egress stuff too. I think uh, that plays in, in, into the optimization piece too. I'm not sure if you guys are experiencing that yet, or is that something that's down the road?
2: No, we haven't. We haven't. So we've done a lot of work. You know, the speed of getting in and, and spinning up a workload in the cloud allows for software development right. uh, that that you can do a lot of. You know, that kind of decision you're talking about is is related more to workloads than data. Right? I can do a lot of rapid development, and then I may optimize how that workload is run between on-prem and off-prem, based on all those other factors that I've been talking about. But um, less on, am I going to move some, a big chunk of data in or out? The general push is to the cloud.
1: Yeah, excellent. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can t- continue our conversation. My guest today is Mark Andrus, the Chief Information Officer of the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Equinix, on Federal News Network.
3: Preparing for disaster requires knowledge and action. Here's Chris Reynolds, Dean and Vice President of Academic Outreach and Program Development at American Military University, discussing cutting-edge programs. What's good about Facebook is that Facebook's proactive. In fact, they know if a disaster has happened to a certain area, they'll set up a page that allows people to check in so loved ones know that they're okay. And that's been used quite a bit. You know, I know that when we had... Uh, Hurricane Michael came through, came through last year, and it came through the Panhandle and hit Pensacola, hit my old Air Force Base, Tyndall Air Force Base, it basically wiped the base out. Well, wow. Facebook set up their application for people around the country to make sure that their loved ones that may have been in that area were okay. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Academic Insights. American Military University is the number one educator to U.S. military members. Join fellow national security and public safety professionals making a difference at AMU. Push your mind at amuonline.com.
0: Here's Brian Thomas, Senior Vice President of Public Sector at Worldwide Technology.
2: Worldwide Technology combines world-class data scientists with our global technology platform to help our customers advance through their AI journey. This end-to-end capability has delivered transformational mission outcomes to some of the world's largest and most innovative public and commercial organizations. To connect with our experts, access our research, and explore our labs, join our platform at WWT.com.
3: At Amentum, every day our dedicated team keeps government's most critical programs running safely and effectively. From nuclear operations and environmental remediation, to mission support and sustainment, from threat mitigation to mission assurance, in critical infrastructures, facilities, and ranges here and abroad. With our culture of safety and operational excellence, we apply our experience, passion, and purpose to help our customers achieve their mission. We are Amentum. Experience. Passion. Purpose.
2: hear that it's the soundtrack to our busy lives but there's one thing that needs to be at the top of our to-do lists fixing those dangerous recalled takata airbag inflators millions of vehicles from 19 automakers still need to be fixed because if they're not fixed those airbags could cause serious injury or even death it's not that your other stuff isn't important it's just that well fixing that airbag just might save your life visit toyota.com forward slash recall to learn more
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Equinix, on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Mark Andrews, the Chief Information Officer at the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. Now, Mark, before break, we were talking a lot about the cloud, and one of the things as we talk more about the cloud is the cloud is a piece of this infrastructure. The infrastructure is really around architecture and how you are building it out, and the cloud, on-prem, all that has to have kind of that layer of, okay, what does it really mean? What are the guardrails? So architecture is another area that kind of tags back into it. Talk to me a little bit about what you guys are doing to, to ensure your architecture has standards and, and is meeting the, the needs today and the future.
2: Well, about a month after I arrived, NGA had, had hired from the outside, from industry, uh, a new chief enterprise architect and a new chief data officer, both, both which came um, from industry with a lot of uh, background in, in implementation. Not just theory, but uh, a lot of real-world experience. It, 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 was, it was really exciting just as they came in and they brought their families in. There was a real sense of, of willingness to give back, understanding uh, both of these were second-generation Americans, and, and they really wanted to just give back, and that was really neat. Architecturally, over the next probably two years, I've talked a little bit about these high-end mission systems. So think of these big block systems that are needed to do in high, high, end, high resolution imagery processing of big data. Those are, those are extremely robust, extremely high performing, but they're also 10 million lines of code plus per system. And the needs in terms of how you test those means these are no fail, highly precision, uh, complex systems. But that style of system, the way it was designed 10, 20 years ago, does not translate to speed. So these next two years we are going to be shifting the architectural foundation on on which those systems live to to decouple and to start to devolve some of those 10 million line of code systems into its service components. Again, we talked about 2005 and, and, and service orientation. Those things are still relevant um, and so this will be one of the biggest things we move forward. So now take this idea of hybrid cloud of, as an infrastructure build on that platform secure devops so that you can move more agilely. and then that third piece is how do we how do we decouple these big systems into smaller pieces so that i can add new capabilities quicker without having to do a full end-to-end test of a 10 million line of code system so all of those pieces add together as kind of this this enabler for this revolution of AI and ML that we've been talking about.
1: Are these systems older? Or are we talking about like 30, 40, 50 year old systems? The so COBOL, you know, the old languages? Or, or are they just newer, but they're, mono, they're such a monolith system that breaking them out into components yeah. it just makes sense? They are, <laughs> they are not COBOL. That's good news, right?
2: <laughs> but they are, they, they have been running for a while, so decades or more. Being modernized somewhat along the way, but after you get good stable code, a lot of times that business case on how much you want to crack that open becomes a big challenge, I think, for for everyone. So it's a mix. And the reason you're able
1: to do this, but also wanting to do this, is in in some ways, you mentioned the hybrid cloud model, but also DevSecOps. If we could, adding new capabilities today at this model of the system, you know, that's a big, we'll use the nasty word, waterfall type project yeah. that could, you know, drive you nuts. But if you can break these out into here's separate components that we just want to modernize component A and then we'll modernize component B or add more capabilities. That's much, that's not eating the
2: apple in one bite. I got all my cliches today, I'm working them all. They're great. (laughs) So what we've been doing since I got here is this next generation of contracts that we've got going out are trying to account for that. So they're trying to marry up the best of our great industry partners. And we have a lot of really good ones that have been building and managing these systems. You know, a lot of times these big block systems, they get demonized, right? But in fact, they're high performance uh, code and they do amazingly proficient functions, you know? So this next set of contracts, we've kind of structured them so that you've got both a operations and sustainment, but written in there, written into the task will be at government directed decoupling of certain components as we direct the uh, vendor to do. That's going to allow us to also, as we start to decouple, to look at smaller businesses, uh, newer, innovative capabilities from uh, the private sector. I talked about the phone technology and imagery. How do I leverage that? Well, I need to break some of these out to allow those smaller vendors to be able to get in and apply their technology. And this is one way we're going to do it.
1: All right, I'm going to try to get ahead of the vendor calls that you're going to get now. Are these <laughs> current acquisitions you have
2: awarded or acquisitions that are coming up or a little bit of both? Most of them are, are just being put out this year. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, we've got on the vendor front this year we are recompeting our enterprise IT. So think of that as desktop, enterprise management, compute, and cybersecurity. All of that's getting recompeted. And then our major applications, the big applications, are being recompeted around this model of of, of retain the value from these big systems, but then um, start to decouple them for this more agile service-centric architecture we're heading towards. Right. So a lot of activity on the acquisition front.
1: All right, your phone's going to start ringing, you know that. they'd already is. You can blame me. All that's, right. That's all right. At the same time, you mentioned uh, the code and, and this tags back to the ar- architecture of the cloud, the, under- the decoupling to add to get better capabilities. This also tags back in some ways to this data problem that you're, ch- that you're challenged right. with. I mean, NGA is a big data agency. If there's ever a big data agency, it's, right. it's you and like National Weather Service and NOAA and, and, and agencies uh, in the similar vein. Walk me through how you guys are applying data analytics. How's the cloud helping you kind of do more, get more value out of your data?
2: I already mentioned the data data core.
1: Which is a great idea because, I'm gonna interrupt, because I think every agency is facing the same challenge.
2: They are, and just like I talked about how we're the sponsor for other agencies to get into the cloud, you don't wanna to have to recreate that learning. So this idea of the data core that's centrally managed, but federated across in, in the work they do, allows for that learning which is probably the most central part of this data management challenge that we've got. How do you use it? Drive requirements to me on how I need to access it. Tell me what tools you need, what domain. That comes that's better informed by uh, rapid real-world learning. So that's been a huge piece. The other area we broke out is called DevCore. So I've got DevCore and Data Core. The development core was a recognition that perhaps NGA had gone too far in giving up some basic skill sets in terms of software development and so if you if you buy in on the principle that data scientists and a data core helps inform your overall architecture we've, we've started we've started bringing in more software developers that are not just doing software development but they're informing our software development architecture right so the government needs to retain a central role in how we want to develop software mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean we replace the, the large software development efforts going on but we make sure that we have experts that know how to do it and drive the way we want to do it. So that's been a huge benefit for us.
1: Are, is a dev core very much, uh, i would use a word that they may not be happy with, but project program managers, but with a software background. So as the vendor comes in and says, oh, we need to do this or do that, they can be like, no, it doesn't make sense and this is why, versus the more traditional project or program manager that may not know enough about software, but can, can kind of make sure you hit milestones along the way. I'm drawing a fine line.
2: Yeah. So I can't, the DevCore are t-shirt wearing, Red Bull drinking, <laughs> hardcore coders. Okay. All right. Good, good. They, are, they take great pride in it. Those are, those are the type of people we hire because that's the type of people we need to shape this agile architecture we're talking about, right? We've got to build an architecture for the future, not, not let the, all the burden and anchors of these big systems from the past uh, drive that need. So they're serious coders. What made
1: you guys at NGA realize that, hey, we had we maybe the pendulum swung maybe a little too far in terms of the, the in-house skill sets?
2: You know, I wasn't there when the decision was made to to, to go after it, but what I've observed and the value proposition has been, that I've seen, you know, when we talk about the DevOps world and what specific tool sets we need and don't need, these guys, they know it. They're like, this works, this doesn't. Okay. When we talk about the sex side of that, Right, The security side of speed and agility, they know how to short circuit or what tools you need to produce body of evidence for our CISO, what works and what doesn't. So I've just been very impressed with, um, with the, out, the outcomes that they've been generating that aren't code development, but, but how we code and how to optimize how we code for speed and agility. That's been what's most impressive for me. Roughly how many people are in your dev core? How many people are in your data Small core? numbers. Okay. small numbers so we're not over a hundred for data core or dev core and do
1: you have plans to grow them or is it right now you're at a good spot and you'll see where the future takes you
2: we'll probably we'll probably grow um, data core a little bit they've got a running start I think uh, dev core is still in the tens 20s 30s 40s uh, they they have they have some way to go okay. in terms of numbers that they're going to get to and
1: the data core let's back up to that idea too are these new people coming to NGA or the current people that you're retraining? There's a big push obviously for the reskilling, the upskilling of federal employees. How, yeah. how are you handling this?
2: It's a little bit of both. So they're bringing in new hires that are that are data science native, and they're mixing that with people that are imagery science native, right? That's a, that's a good marriage, right? You, you can't just bring in the pure data scientist. You've got to marry it up with that combination of someone who knows the content um, when those two get together, they're pretty powerful.
1: I can only imagine, because it's such a hard job to fill for every agency, is, is both the software development side and the data side. You guys are, are doing both. So it's, a, it's obviously a good news
2: story. It yeah. is a good news story. And if it's OK, I'd mention one more thing. Please, that, yeah, um, do. So, you, know, you talk about the, how hard it is to find these, these types of people. One of the things that, that um, uh, NGA, NSA, and DIA, uh, they got together as leaders at directorate level, and they said, you know what? We, we've got to address this talent problem head on, and in particular in some of these areas that we're talking about. So they, they hosted a, a people summit to look at, hey, NSA, what are you doing to recruit and retrain talent? And are we doing anything? where we create an environment to compete with each other? So I was very, very pleased to see that effort because it's directly supporting these challenges of getting talent sure. and keeping talent. Especially in the DC area,
1: right? Both, both uh, uh, not just the intel world, but the civilian world too. Same problem. It's so. the same problem. Mark, let's take a quick break and come back. We can jump into some of the other topics: AI, uh, ML, as, as as an example. My guest today is Mark Andrews, the Chief Information Officer of the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Equinix, on Federal News Network.
0: Interviews, news, and intel on the Federal Drive with Tom Temin. Federal News Network. Search Federal Drive.
3: Celebrate the extraordinary achievements in blood cancer research at the 33rd Annual Leukemia Ball on Saturday, March 21st. The evening will feature a fabulous silent auction, a comedic performance by John Mullaney, and music by the Leg Warmers and Damian Escobar. Over the last 32 years, the Leukemia Ball has raised more than $65 million for life-saving cancer research and patient programs provided by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's National Capital Area Chapter. More information at leukemiaball.org.
0: What is the greatest gift you can give the world? The gift of hope. Trees for the Future has a sustainable solution to hunger, poverty, and bettering the planet through Trees for the Future's regenerative agricultural method, the Forest Garden Approach. They teach impoverished farmers in developing countries how to plant themselves out of poverty by creating thriving ecosystems made up of over 60 species of trees and over 30 varieties of fruits and vegetables. Farmers can maximize crop yields to provide consistent income and nutrition for their families. In the last 30 years, tens of millions of trees have been planted, and thousands of farmers have successfully revitalized their degraded land. When you give, you give hope for our planet and its people. Find out how to plant seeds of hope this season at trees.org radio. That's trees.org radio. A tree can change a life.
1: Federal News Radio is now Federal News Network.
2: This is John Gilroy, host of Federal Tech Talk. I spent more than a decade interviewing the federal contracting community on IT trends and how they shape the work done by the federal government. Technology's evolution has helped and challenged feds to keep pace and make the best use of IT to meet their agency's mission. Meet the next tech company government needs to know on Federal Tech Talk. Tuesday afternoons at 1 on Federal News Network or subscribe to Federal Tech Talk on iTunes or Podcast One.
3: When we need help, we turn to government. When government needs help, they turn to Federal News Network. Federal News Network, helping feds meet their mission.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Equinix on Federal News Network. I'm your host Jason Miller. My guest today is Mark Andrews, the Chief Information Officer at the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. Now, Mark, before break, we were talking about big data, the different pieces and parts that you were working through. One of the reasons why data is so important, and we hear data is the new oil, data is the new gold, whatever kind of analogy you want to make is because that leads you down to better decision-making and leads you down to this idea of, hey, if I can have good data or at least decent data, (laughs) then I can start applying that with artificial intelligence, machine learning, automation, and then that can kind of remove some of those mundane or complex tasks even that can go much quicker. So how does the data discussion lead us down that path to the AI machine learning type? How are you guys starting to use that or look into that?
2: For the AI and ML adoption, we started out with a series of sprints which is the best way to learn. And we quickly ran into that, that data organization and management challenge. So we've still got some sprints going on, but we, we've decided to form up a, a particular group that's looking at enterprise data management. And again, what we did was not just from the, the, the chief data officer and the, and the technologist, but we married up the content owners and we formed a group looking at enterprise data management with the sole intent of how does it scale? not just for a sprint. So everything they're doing says, here's lessons learned, but what happens when it doesn't scale? So that whole content management piece is one of our huge, huge lines of effort on the AI and ML front. The second area we've been focusing on, and this sounds boring because I'm going to use the word governance. Uh Uh-oh. But algorithm Hmm. governance. So let's say that I've got my data really fine-tuned, and I'm starting to proliferate algorithms that are more and more machine learned, or artificially intelligent, how do I provide the assurance on the outcome of those algorithms, much like I assure any piece of software in terms of content delivery? Again, when we talk about mapping, safety of navigation, an aircraft hitting a tower, a ship running aground, we talk about precision and accuracy that is, that is no fail. Same thing on the imagery front. If someone's making a recommendation on a mission, go, no go, that has to be precise. So w- the second line of effort we've got is really getting at, looking at the fundamentals of how we govern the approval process, the, uh, the assurance of it, and does it evolve over time? So that's the second line of effort. Third one was on how do we transition those sprints into pieces that work and don't work such that you know we're able to throw away the bad and, and, and accept the good. And then the last one is expanding the research and partnerships. There's a lot of Really interesting things going on with DoD. You know They've stood up the Jake, so we're partnering with them. Uh, Project Maven from USDI, and then the rest of the world that's uh, realizing the same opportunities from imagery exploitation.
1: Let's back up for one thing and talk a little about the, the boring governance stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really important, not just around algorithms, but around data more generally. The content owners and the enterprise data management, is, is that the goal to develop standardization, taxonomies, all those uh, words, or is it more in a different area?
2: It's certainly the data taxonomies, okay? So if you think about NGA, think about charting and mapping, geodesy and those types of things. Very much standards-driven, very robust, right? The the international community accepts a lot of what NGA creates, right? The uh, WGS84 is the reference model for Latin long to support GPS. So that that part of NGA has a very robust standards-driven taxonomy. The rest of Intel analysis is more like a painter, <laughs> an artist, right? They do a, take a lot of different forms of information. They characterize it different ways. That's an area that is going to require a lot more work on how to standardize. And ask the question, how deep do you want to standardize a taxonomy, right? There's a... There's a point where you start trying to standardize stuff and then it becomes like this black hole. Right, It implodes on itself and it's no longer valuable. It's definitely an area, but I'm very cautious about how deep we go with that versus how much we give the flexibility for the analyst.
1: You mentioned also the transition of sprints, throw out the good, keep the bad. Have you had some success with using AI machine learning? Yes, absolutely. Can you talk a little bit at a high level about how you're using it?
2: Yeah, so one of the areas that you might expect is in the area of computer vision. Right? So, So define that. Computer vision, it is, think of it in its simplest terms as I I have an image and I want to call out an image from there automatically. So, Mm -hmm. see like, you know, if I look at an image and I say, that's a tank, that's an aircraft, it's instinctive for a human. For the computer to have that vision and extract that object out Mm -hmm. is difficult. In industry, we get a lot of You know, I've got my phone, and I take a picture 10 feet away, and is it a dog or is it a cat, and that's cool. It can classify my phone in terms of things I'm looking for. But the complexity of taking it from miles up in the air, (laughs) the complexity of understanding that I need to not only detect the object, I need to, to be able to alert that the object is moving, and I need to do it with systems that are in themselves moving as the Earth's moving. It is crazy complex and very difficult for us.
1: That's a, that's a really interesting usage because as you deal with more uh, imagery and, and the imagery gets better and there's more dependence on it and you can send it to a, a phone or send it to some sort of device, being able to use the AI to process, there are this many tanks happening in this part of the world and they're all moving in the westward direction yeah. and, and using getting the computers to do that how much testing have you done with that how, uh, in terms of whether it's that one or just any of the other AI, ML? Anything going from test to production yet?
2: Yes, Excellent. so that that absolutely is, is where we're heading. And think of the value proposition. So if, if the old workflow was human-centric workflow, I spent a lot of time and effort looking at an image for something that's just an object, right? So if I can automate that out, I can begin to imply reasoning and what is intent you know, it shifts the, the the workload from basic object detection into what is going on, why is it happening, right. or anticipatory. Hey, this is about to happen. These seven events have occurred. You know, that's where we've got to get to, um, and that's where a lot of this automation provides real value.
1: And then we comes back around to those data core folks who are able to either a be retrained or b to be upskilled to understand hey, now I'm an analyst in, much more, in a much bigger way than I was before where I was just looking at imagery and trying to tell you what it meant. Yep. Now I can tell you why it's happening or, or right. what's it mean versus just
2: the, the basics. I mean, that's a, it's a big plus for your workforce.
1: So what other technologies or what other whether yeah. things are they excited about, AI, ML, or two good ones, <clears throat> well, what else?
2: You know, we talk about AI and ML. I think we've got some great needs. And just so it's out there, we try to publish our tech focus areas once a year. We try to update the areas where we think we could use the most help. Uh, We publish those. We have a US Geospatial Intelligence Foundation, USGIF hosts GEOINT every year in Tampa. That's in April this year. And we publish those. But I'll give you a taste of some of those things that are underpinning this. You know, of course it's it's the computer vision and the need for those object detection. Activity tracking and change detection. So that's getting ahead of just the object, but now what's happening? What's, what's the delta? If I know the objects are out there and I've got that fairly defined, now talk to me about activity and change detection. And then let's go, let's go deeper, and we talk about how do we automate the creation of that foundational data, what we call gold disk level data, from which we would test and approve algorithms, um, we've done some of our early sprints where the human is the one creating the gold disc of, of, uh, of what is true from which the algorithm could work. That's a huge effort. It takes a lot of time. So we're looking at that and then I'm getting back into my algorithm governance a little bit.
1: Fortunately, we are out of time. First, let me thank my guest, Mark Andrews the Chief Information Officer at the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. Mark, thank you so much for your time today.
2: Thank you, Jason. It's great to be here.
1: I've been your host, Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Ask the CIO.
0: You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.